record labels are really like orphanages, bro. Mm. They're really like orphanages. They're, they're, they're places where, honestly, bro, broken young men and women that come from poverty go to become successful and everybody's learning on the job. Oh, Lord, Jensen made another one. Hey, what's going on, y'all? It's your host, Brandon Jinx Jenkins, and welcome back to another episode of the Rap Caviar Podcast that you can watch only on Spotify. This week, we're talking about longevity in hip-hop, so to do that, I had to bring a couple of friends along. First up, he's an industry vet who's currently the VP of A&R at QC and the host of Connected with Wayno on Amazon Music, Wayno Clark. What's up, man? What's going on, brother? How you doing? What's up, man? Thank you for having me, man. Of course, of course. And next to him is a legendary producer who's got hits and underground classics and has worked with all your favorites. I feel like you got something crazy, several crazy things every year. It's Alchemist. Good What's looking, up, man? man? How are you? I'm doing good, man. Good to see you. Yeah, this is a good lineup, man. I can't <laughs> oh, believe we got man, you both I'm in honest, here. Man. I, I was walking up and I seen, I, I said, that's Alchemist. Naturally, I would imagine that you two knew each other, but I didn't really know even when we were like lining this episode up. Yeah, yeah, you guys go way back. Yeah, man, me and me and I go go back pretty far, man. Um, you know, I was saying when I first started at Rockefeller, you know, I think one of the biggest misconceptions of Rockefeller, especially like with dealing with producers, is like. If Jay Z dissed anybody that you cool with, then nobody else can work with you. So, Alk and Hip Hop are really, really tight friends. And I remember yeah. we was working on a Becoming album. I think um, we were working on that album for years, but um, uh, Hip Hop had connected us. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? And like, I was a really, really young guy at that time, and Alk was like already who he was. And it, like for me, I'm like, oh shit, this Alchemist. You know what I'm saying? But um, he really embraced me. You know what I mean? I was a young guy, and one of the, the things I wanted to talk about was like Alk used to give me beats. So, like, he would always give me beats. He would only put, like, the most he ever gave me is, like, 12 on a CD, right? 12. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So he gave me this one 12, and I would always hit him up, like, yo, out. Like, because, you know, we was in Texas. We call him. I'm like, yo, out. I need some more beats. He's like, all right. So he gave me another one. And then by the third CD, I was like, Yo, Alk, you gave me the same beats, like, <laughs> I, like this. He would put the same beats and then sneak two new ones on. I was like, he yeah. said, I only did that to see if he was listening to them. Yeah, because sometimes they Damn. may be sleeping. Right, you know, you right. gotta hit them like, oh wait, I think I didn't heard this one before. You know, yeah. they may have not known. Yeah. But yeah, no, nah, me and Wayne go back. I mean, I remember those days. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. Like, I think with every artist, when you link with them, you always find out who the who the, the person is to connect with. Mm-hmm. You know, that was for Beans. That was Wayne. You know what yeah. I mean? So me and him connected. And, you know, every time I see him now, seeing where he's at, I'm like, it makes perfect sense. You know what I'm saying? Because bro was already, like, in position and was like, and this business is a a lot about who you connect with and your relationships. And I feel like it goes a long way over time. Like, see, now, just we still linked. Yeah, that's a fact. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, that's like the the heart of this episode, really, is, um, you know, I feel like people think about rap really as, like, youth culture, right? And they see it as, like, Yo, what's new? What's coming up? What's uh, what's the new thing? But I think a lot of people, as we watch hip-hop now, aging in a lot of ways, I think it's year 50 next year. Um, wow. 50 officially, but probably even longer than that in a lot of ways. Um, you're watching people find longevity. Everyone points to Hove, right? He's, like, what, 52? Album five years ago, still rapping. He's got the J Electronica project, still rapping. You know he's got something on Tuck. He'll say he's not working on shit, but he's probably working on some shit. And I think we're watching more and more artists in the front facing um, have a longevity to their career. But there's so many people around the artist, right? Producer, the A&R, the execs yeah. that are um, finding a way to not just extend their careers, but find new life and new things that are interesting to them. Right. So I think before we even get further into this episode, I'm curious, when you first both of you guys started out did you guys see yourselves doing this this long 
Yeah, in those days, like, I was so young. I was 15 years old, and I was rapping. I can definitely say 100% I didn't see where I would be now. Mm. But I did feel like if I stuck to it, it, it would go somewhere. But, I, you know, I even say to myself recently, if I knew what I knew now, yeah, but yeah, I, of course. I feel like I had to take those steps. Right. It, there was no way to, to time travel, you know. And even when I meet young guys and I see where they're at, and they're crazy going through a similar stage in their career, and I'm so tempted to tell them, yo, no, 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 just look, take my playbook, jump yeah. right to stage 10. <laughs> yeah. But you can't, because even they'll look at me like, no, 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 this is my career. I'm not going to do it the same way you did it. Right. it. It might be similar in the end, but I do realize that you, you're not going to see it. You kind of got to go through it. So I'm thankful, you know, for the longevity, for sure, that, yeah. that part, you know. Yeah, for myself, man, um, I didn't really know what I wanted to do. I just knew that, like, when I was a teenager, I just wanted to do something to make my mom happy because I was getting in trouble, mm. you know. So it was like, let me figure out something. And when I got into, you know, music, it was like, oh, wow, it was like all these things that I imagined. It was like now I done got behind the curtain at the Wizard of Oz, right, but I'm still a kid, so I, I had no I had no idea of business. It's like I just really wanted a job and I really wanted to be around <laughs> the artist, right? But it was like um, I, I feel like in, in order for me to have had the c career I've had, I've had nurture. You know what I mean? I've had people pouring to me from out, from a Walter Jones, from a big face Gary who was just sitting in the office one day and seeing me and was like, yo, come on, from a Jim Jones, you know? I always think of my career as like that scene in Dark Knight when Joker's like, I'm like a dog chasing a car. I wouldn't even know what to do with one if I caught it, right? So it's like, <laughs> I'm just still chasing cars. Yeah, yeah. You feel me? So I tell my children this, like, this is our family business. Like, if I ran a cleaners, it would be the same structure, right? So I don't, I don't necessarily want my kids in everything I do as far as music, but I look at it from the standpoint of like, man, music got me out the projects. You know what I mean? It's put me in a position to, to help me take care of my family, my mom, like extended family when I need to. Um, and I feel good doing it. So I, I didn't necessarily see this, but I'm happy for the journey, you know? What was like when you guys first got started, right? Um, so in, I guess for Wayno, for you, it was like an intern, right? Mm -hmm. Intern for Rockefeller. Before intern, I was in the mailroom. So actually, I, yeah, before, I, before I go forward, can you actually like hit me with like the beats of your career so I don't like fuck it up? Nah, it's all good. It's all good, man. I think um like I really got the 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 um the movie story in the sense of like I had dropped out of high school and um I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do because my mom was like, you ain't just gonna be sitting around. And um I saw the movie backstage. And when I saw the movie backstage, it was like so eye-opening because like I wanted to rap and I grew up with a lot of people, like I grew up with with uh, Murder Mook, you know what I mean? Like yeah. I grew up around him, T Rex. You were in Harlem? Yeah, I'm look, it's I, on my hand. <laughs> why not always think? Because you would Beans. I was from Philly. Yeah, so but that was yeah. my that was my yeah. nickname too, Harlem Philly. You know, because everybody thought I was from Philly because I chose with the okay. Harlem guy. I thought you was before I met you. It makes yeah, a lot of but sense but I like yeah. Well, I'm Harlem. from the Bronx. You know what I mean? I was I was born and raised in the Bronx, and then I moved to Harlem when I was 12 years old. Okay. So like I, I moved out of Harlem six years ago. So Harlem is where I really got my roots. Mm -hmm. But um, you know, as figuring things out I seen backstage and when I seen backstage it was like eye opening because I wanted to rap but like you know how rap was back in the day like bro you had to get in a cypher like you had to like like yeah. it, like after 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 a basketball game or after a party or before mm. a party like everybody spitting and I, I would me and one of my homeboys we used to write raps and shit and then like I would, he'd be like yo you gotta do it today and then I'd be like <laughs> I'd be uptown and see Vado 
and Jay Mills and them, and they'd say something crazy, and I'd be like, nah, I can't do this shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> tomorrow, tomorrow. But but backstage was the first time I actually saw myself when I saw Lenny S, or I saw Tata, wow. or Chris Gotti, you know what I mean? All these guys, like, they, when I saw them, I said, damn, I don't know what they do, but maybe I could do something where people don't have to see me. And from there, I got a job in the mailroom. I want to fast track it a little bit. I got a job in the mailroom. The mailroom I got a job in was 825 8th Avenue. You remember that building out? And, um... It was uh, the building that had uh, Murder, Inc., Def Jam, all of that. So I, st I started out delivering the mail. And then from the mail, it was like helping out um, Omieli uh, McIntosh at, her, at Fan Fan, which was Jay-Z's fan club. And, you know, into office mail. Her sister Dara, is the, I think she was the manager up at Rockefeller. So I'm back up. And I'm like, yo, I'm going to figure this out one day. You yeah. know, and um, I got fired from the mailroom. And then from there, um, I just, I had Shari, Shari Bryant, president of Rock Nation. She was an intern at that time, too. But I had a relationship because I was a teenager and I was, you know, the youngest kid. And I'm like, yo, I'll come in here every day just to stay out the street. I really wanted to stay out the street because it was bad, you know, mm -hmm. coming up. So I was like, let me um, come in and I just made myself available and things started to take their course. Mm -hmm. Damn. So was in, from then you was Rockefeller till? Uh, from eight, 18 to about when Jay and Dame split, which is like about three or four years later. I was like 23. Okay. When it split and I I hadn't built any relationships. So it was like it was literally like your parents divorcing. Like Jay goes his way, Dame goes his way. Where do you fit in all of this? And I had I, now that I understand that I haven't I hadn't at that time, I would I hadn't provided a service that anybody needed. Mm, so it's like, okay. yeah, I was a kid that like people like to have around, but I, I wasn't really like needed. It was like Oh, that was the guy that we call to get the beans. We don't need him anymore. Like beans over here. Like so, um, I went back to you know regular um jobs and just trying to figure figure myself out, and um that led me to, you know that you know that James. We all had that burning desire. Like I ain't supposed to be doing this. Yeah, you know um I, I started I started my I started a management company and I had um a few artists that didn't work, but um. When I, I met, I started doing hosting shows at SOBs because I, I had got laid off from a job and I was like, yo, I can't get, I, I have to, I have to get, finish this mission. And um, one of the, one of the shows is like a new Harlem showcase and I see Dave East and he's on the stage and everybody else, like it's all these other, I'm like, I never heard him. I'm like, this kid is amazing. Yeah. So I, I just took the time and I got cool with him for like a year and then like, I had that burning in me again, and I was like, yo, if I could get this, I had my producers, Buddha and Grands, mm -hmm. and we was trying to sell beats, and at that time, early 2010s, it's like, you got to give away 40 beats to sell one, and by the time you sell that one, it's not even a single, you know what I mean? So you can't really monetize it. I'm like, if I could find one artist, filter the music from my producers into the artist, then I have something. I went to Dave one day, I'll never forget this, I was, I just went to him, I said, yo, um, are you, what's going on? He's like, I just do all this by myself. I said... I promise I'm going to make you rich. I didn't even know how I was going to make you rich. <laughs> I just was like, I was living in the projects, he was living in the projects. I'm like, figure it out. I'm yeah. figure it out. Hell I said, yeah. I promise you, I promise you, I will make you rich. I promise you that. And then everybody seen, you know, what we were able to do yeah, with the Nas do. stuff, the Def sure, Jam stuff. Sure. And, you know? Damn. Yeah. I mean, that's some of it. It's still more. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. still. Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm. I want to make sure I get your timeline right as well. I know... Um, one of the first people I ever interviewed in my career, this is like 2011, and it was DJ Muggs. And Muggs was telling me, he was like, you know, he's asking me who some of my favorite producers were. And I was like, yo, Al. And he was like, oh, Al. And he was telling me how, like, I think your start, if I want him, after the rap career was with Soul Assassins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, 
I got put, I was in a group first, you know, we got a deal through Tommy Boy and we were like affiliated with Soul Assassins, it was like a crew basically. Yeah. You know, it's like Cypress Hill, House of Pain, Funk Dubious, and then we kind of got put on as, we were 15 years old, you know, and the, the, the rap thing kind of fizzled, it didn't, we never ended up putting out an album, we did a tour and I bought a ASR-10 mm. keyboard because I wanted to make beats, you know, I, I kind of had some ideas and, uh, you know, I had all these dope producers around me like DJ Lethal from House of Pain or Ralph M and even Jay Swift as well who did the Far Side Beats. Like I was around them when I was young and hearing all this shit. So I was like, damn, making beats, you know, could be a, a good out, outlet too. So I got the drum machine from the deal and then like the group fizzled and I, uh, Be Real moved to Venice. Got a house in Venice Beach and like had a little back studio and this is right when they were working on Cypress 3 album. So Muggs kind of took a liking to me because I was kind of starting to make beats and was like, oh, the little homie's making beats now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Dope, okay, come come on, come through. He saw me at Muggs, I mean, B-Real's house working in the garage. He was like, yo, come to my crib. And he had a house in the Hollywood Hills, like a crazy mm-hmm. crib. And I used to go there on the weekends and just make beats with Muggs. And that was kind of like my beginning. Also, at the same time, dilated people's evidence. Yeah. That's my brother. We went to high school together, so they were putting their group together. And I was doing some of my first beats with them. That was the only outlet. Like, you got to go back to a time before streaming, before digital. In order to get a deal at that time, you had to kind of cook with a vinyl first. Mm, wow. and, it, and it was like we put out two 12 inches. And I forget the amounts. Like, one did 3,000, one did 5,000 units. And then it was like labels picked them up, capital. Okay. And so it was kind of like the model on how to get a deal if you didn't want to go through and kind of shop your thing. The only yeah. equivalent of what you have now of being able to just put your music out on YouTube, it on, yeah. get some numbers and, and show mm-hmm. people, hey, I'm cooking. So that was, you know, I was doing that and I was working with Cypress on a Cypress 3 album and, uh, you know, I, I helped out a lot and it kind of was in my like ghost production era, but it was, yeah, it was yeah. necessary. Like, I didn't even know you did that. That's I did stuff <laughs> on there that like only I know and, and Muggs, but see like Muggs, I gotta say, like Muggs is my big brother. Yeah. And at that time, he was giving me such an opportunity to be around him and just, you know, Muggs is like a mastermind. His, yeah. his gift was the big picture. Mm-hmm. It wasn't the most technical, you know. Right, right. I think that's where I came in with him because I, I wanted to sit there and get technical. Yeah. He knew how to like, make a hit record or how to take one line out of B-Real's rhyme and be like, oh, he's insane in the brain. Take that out. Say that over and over right here. Uh, uh, yo, the drop the beat out. Yeah. He, he was really like a, he showed me what production was, okay. not mm. just beat making. So I was in my beat making stage. Okay. And, and it was cool though because, you know, then when, you know, all the homies from the crew who, who were there in the studio who mm. saw all the work I was doing, you know, when the album listening session would come and all the magazine people would be there and the joints would come on that I did, they used to, they used to hit me. Like, Don't worry. We, we know you did that shit. Don't worry, bro. So it gave me confidence. You know what I'm saying? And, and Muggs, I love him. To this day, that's my big brother. I learned so much from him. So yeah. that was my start in uh, just getting to, you know, later I would move to New York, but that was the first start. What did you think was like old, right? When you saw someone, because you guys are probably working around like 20-year-olds, 30-year-olds when you first got started, right? Like, like, that was hip-hop. Thinking, like, Rockefeller, like, Hove might have just slid into 30 at the time I'm paying attention. Um, a lot of the acts I was listening to were probably in their 20s. Some, I look mm-hmm. up, they're probably teenagers even. Yeah. You know, like, I don't even know how, how old Young Guns was at the time. I feel like yeah. they was kids. Yeah, it was kids. So, what did you guys think that was? Like, what did you guys think was, was older or, or a longer career? I really don't trip on kids who say, like, I don't listen to that. Like, I really don't trip because, and this might sound crazy because I'm from New York, but, like, when I was... Like, the first time I heard the locks, 
I was probably 11. It was on a Bad Boy. Remember the Bad Boy mixtapes with DJ Duwop? Yeah, the cassettes? Yeah, Duwop, yeah. I remember I had, first time I heard You'll See. And when I heard You'll See and I heard Jada Kiss and I heard Sheik and Styles and of course Biggie. But I remember like arguing with older dudes like my cousin and they talking about Rakim. I'm like, I don't listen to Rock Kemp. Like, yeah, 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 yeah. But at the same time, I didn't think about age the same way kids do now. Mm. I, I didn't think about age like that. Like, I've outlived Biggie and Tupac by years, and they still feel older than me. Right. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? Right. Like, they still feel super... Like, Biggie's content, it, it still feels so older than my perspective on things I have now. So, yeah. it, oh, Pac, it's like, Foxy was a grown-ass woman to me when I was 14 years old, and she was only, like, 22. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, I think also, like, when you're, like, a teenager, like, 15, and the age might fluctuate, right? right? But for a kid at that, around that time in their life, like, music is the soundtrack to your 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 days, day, right? Yeah. Everything's new to you, right? You really don't have the pressure of full life yet, of jobs, of everything that a grown-up has. Right. And I feel like for any generation, whatever hit us at that time, will always hold to us as the standard because I feel like even now I love certain records that come out, but I can't say that it engulfs me the way mm, yeah. the records when I was a kid did because right. it was just my life was open and it was uh, music became the soundtrack for those memories. Right. So we all are going to have our version of that. Right. And so it's hard to compete with a kid. Yeah, yeah. They like to play somebody, you know, Illmatic, who's a kid right now, and it, I've done it and they'll hear it and be like, nah, it's dope, but it came with the time. Yeah, it's everything. It was, you know? yeah. So to hear it now, it's like, and I could imagine certain things like that too when I go back. But I love hearing shit from the past. So, yeah. but I could, but I could still understand that perspective of like, mm. it is permitted to evolve. But sometimes we gotta let up off them kids, man. Mm. You gotta let them do what they're doing. You gotta let them do what they do, let man. Them innovate. It's not gonna. It's, it can't stay in one place. Yeah. And it's okay to allow that and still do something that's different too. Yeah, that's it, a fact. It, you know, like I, every season, I try to get influenced. Mm. by what's out there that you know but I'm pretty rigid right but I remember every era when new styles came in I remember yeah. when little john came in yeah. and when um 36 was doing it and they started with the hi hats going to 32 mm -hmm. which is a technical term but it's like holding them making the hi hats move fast and then right. then you know the heat makers took it to another level yeah, and they yeah, made yeah. it new york yeah. and then now you see the drill the new even the new york version it it came it gets more the sounds morph and morph you got to allow because the, the innovation is going to be with the kids. That's where the, the, mm -hmm. that's where the, the cutting edge is. It'll always be that way. When y'all were the kids, what were older heads telling you guys about like what to look for in the music industry? Like, was it, um, was it optimism? Was it more warnings? Like, what game were they giving you when you guys were kind of first starting out about like what they thought would change or just what to look out for? I might be the most, one of the most successful people from my side of town. And I'm, a, I'm definitely one of the most successful people from Harlem. And music, but like, I didn't have no nobody to tell me nothing to look out for because it, I didn't have no examples. Like now, I, I grew up in Harlem, bro. Like I seen Mace when Mace was Mace. It was mm -hmm. like literally seeing a dragon flying through the street. You'd be like, "What the fuck is that?" Like you know what I mean? Like I seen Mace when he was Mace. I seen like, yeah, bro. Like what? I, I seen DMX like every day. Like when D, when he dropped Dark and Hell Is Hot, he used to chill on 135th. In between 7th and 8th, and his, his man had a, a beauty salon, and one of my friend's pops owned the cleaners right next to it. So I used to see, DMX used to come outside and be like, what y'all little niggas doing? Here, go $100, y'all go get something to eat. So like, I just, my examples was just seeing like, 
the glitz of it, right? It was no... Even when you were at Rock? Bro, the thing about <clears throat> record labels are really like orphanages, bro. Mm. They're really like orphanages. They're, they're, they're places where, honestly, bro, broken young men and women that come from poverty go to become successful and everybody's learning on the job. But I was around Dame Dash when he was the Dame Dash that everybody feared. Mm -hmm. His aggression just came from the street, right? So I didn't see an OG teaching him no music Music shit. industry mentor being like, dude. Yeah, this. bro, yeah, he was yeah, a yeah. dude. They was all dudes from the street getting money. Mm -hmm. And it's like, when I looked at, when I was at Rockefeller, it was, it was like a, it really was like a secret society. It was like really cut off from, from the world. And like, we had everything in house. So I learned by watching people put the foot in front of the other every day. It wasn't like, the only thing people told me, Memphis Bleak told me, he said, he was like, yo, shorty, man, like, yo, I like you, man, you cool. He's like, just be around every day. He's like, just be around every Present. day. Yeah. Because he was like, yo, there's people I seen come through here a hundred times and then they're gone. Like, just be around. Always make sure you're around for whatever's going on. Because you'll never know when your card is called. Wow. And when, it, when it's called, then be ready. But yeah. I didn't really have, like, Mentorship, because my boss was, bro, like, you remember Big Face Gary? Mm -hmm. Yo, Big Face Gary was insane, bro. Like, <laughs> you know what I mean? But he was learning on a job. He was Dame's friend who came home from jail, and he gave him a job, and now he's the executive, and I'm his little man, and I'm doing a lot of the lion's share of work. And, you know, the best way I've learned to avoid getting hit is by getting hit and learning to duck. It's like I've had, to, I've got hit so many times that I was like, oh, okay. All right. Yeah, like, yeah. I know how it is now. <laughs> but it take, you got to get hit mad times. Sure. Like, yeah. you know, I get mad times. So it was, I never really had like a, once I started to the, the management company and stuff, and then I felt like when I had got Dave, like an Alk, like everybody was like, oh shit, Wayne don't got some shit. And it's good. We got to help him. Because mm. we like that guy. Yeah, yeah. You know what I'm saying? So then, then it was like, because I was out the game for a minute, but once I got back in, it was like, all right. Then I started learning stuff. And I ain't no shit. When, even when I started managing him, I ain't... Right. Know a lot. Shoot from the hip. Yeah, it's it like, yeah. what are shit's going Learn on? Learn on the job. Right. Yeah, I, shit. I learned everything from Q-Tip, man. Really? How so? Record industry people are oh. shady. <laughs> mm. <laughs> industry rule number 4080. Record company people are shady. So kids, watch your back, because I think they smoke crack. I don't doubt it. Look at how they act. My outlook was always kind of like that. Like, we were always kind of, ah, record labels, ah, you know, until, you know, even when it get to my days of doing production, because I started as an artist, mm -hmm. it, it went through phases, because, mm -hmm. you know, at the first I was through a major, and then I got, did my actual album when I became artist as Alchemist through Koch, and then later on, downsized and worked with group companies like Decon, which became Mass Appeal. I was an intern there when you was doing yeah, that. Yeah, yeah. And, I, I, and, and it was like, I was going falling lower and lower no disrespect to any of them I mean as far as the sizes of the companies yeah. you know Decon was still building to become what Mass Appeal is now there was seven of us there yeah bro. you you know wow. it was early yeah and, and, but Peter was messing yeah. up I remember Decon yeah. he, he, was, he was letting us do whatever and that was dope he gave us an open canvas we did a lot of stuff there we did J Electronica Evidence uh, 88 oh, Keys no. it was like er, yes yeah. and so mm. it was like I appreciated the opportunity but it, I started realizing little by little like Going from a big company to have dealing with a smaller one to just maybe one or two people, and it's still issues and bumping heads where yeah. I felt like I need to just push off and go push behind door number two and just see what's out there. Kind of like Wayno was saying, like, yo, I'm gonna figure it out on the job. And to this day, like running my own label, I make a mistake every drop. 
every drop I make a mistake on something, but I love it. You know what I mean? And now it's like we're in a place now where it's like you decide your marketing plan. You decide how the merch is going to look. You decide if, what type of shirt you want to make it on, what days you're going to do your drops, what, if, how many trailers you want to make, what other items. It's like, damn, I'm doing retail now. Right. I'm curious. Is there, is there a moment that opened that up for you? Like the moment when you saw it open up and you were like, okay, this is going to be the thing that maybe I, I, go, I go forward with, you know? Because like you said, at one point you weren't. Yeah, I think it was the currency, the first covert coup that we did. Man, when we right? did that joint, Dog. we made that. He was in between. He had no deal yet. And uh, we linked up and we made this record. Then he made a deal while we were working on it for like three albums. And then they wanted to put that one out. But it was like kind of messy because it had all these sample issues. I, and I was wondering so about how it was all like, that worked. So we were going to shelf it. Like, we were not going to put it out. I Really, I wanted, I was against it. Mm. See, I wasn't ready for the new way things are. Spitter was already in the future. Yeah. He was yeah, like, yeah, yo, yeah. he literally was like, how much you need? I, he called me one day and was like, I'll pay you whatever you want. I just want to put it out. Yeah. And I was like, man, are you kidding me? I'm not, I don't want no money from yeah. you. I love you, you know what I'm saying? But yeah. I'm just not used to this. What, are we going to just put it out for free? I didn't, I don't even think... Um, iTunes was really a thing yet. Yeah, it, it was just yeah. maybe nah, same, nah. It was like no. This was the blog era. Yes, yeah, that the blog era. was still like one of the strongest. Yeah, man, that piff was so was yeah. so innovative. But like, <clears throat> and 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 we we decided. He said, "Yo, you know what I mean? Listen, listen. You, let me put it out. Just give it away, and I, I'm gonna do. I'm, I do merch drops, and I do real good. Mm-hmm. We'll do a collab with Nick Diamond. I know that's your boy. Yeah, he he kind of popped that off. And and, and Spitter was just like, I'll let you eat on the merch, and I didn't know what I was getting into because mm. on that album, I didn't hold back with the beats. Bro, like it's, at the time, it's a classic, like you know, I had just met, I had just met Spitter, you know, and I was like, normally when I just meet someone, yeah. you know me, yeah, you I mean, might be apprehensive, yeah, but I remember at the time going, my man Brock, you know, my yeah, man Brock, Brock, he, yeah, he Brock, brought yeah. him over, yeah. and it was like, yo, this dude is dope. I had these joints, and I'm like, certain ones, like the full metal joint, and certain ones I was trying to save. I was like, nah, I'm giving them what is my best beats right now, just because fuck it, this is a record, just right. have my name on. Yes, bro. That yeah, and, and then and so we did the merch. I was kind of reluctant. I'm like, well, I'm just gonna eat off of merch. He's like, yeah, we'll do real good. We'll do a pop up in in my city. Flew out there. We did the pop up. So they're selling online and it's flying, and the diamond people are showing me the numbers. Yeah, I'm like, damn. Yeah, that from just today online, they're like, yeah. So they're like, it's slowing down. We're gonna cut it off. Just today online, they said, it, they, yeah. they said it's slowing down. We're gonna cut it off. I said, because we hadn't made them yet. We did the mock-ups. Mm-hmm. We were selling them. We had we. They could turn it around in enough time. Right. But there was no stock yet, so it was like unlimited. So they go, it's slowing down. We're gonna shut them. Shut. It. I said, nah. Keep running it because <laughs> yeah. I don't understand this how it goes yet. I'm right. like, if today's my day to eat, let me keep, right, right, keep right. it alive all day. They go, nah, nah, nah. That's how we keep our brand. You know, we don't run it all the way. Yeah. All money's not good. You got to shut it off so some people come there and miss it. Yeah, I was yeah. one who missed it. Like, yeah, I was yeah, putting, yeah. and like, I didn't get it yet. Yeah, I was uh, still like, now I completely get it. But at the time, I was like, huh? Yo, I wanted that and one of, the, one of my favorite tape, No Idols. No you Idols, yeah, yeah, yeah. That, that oh, was a time. Man, bro. That, that, and, you know, hip-hop, you know, that's like my brother just to mm-hmm. say he was there. For all of that, because he was just in LA and was kind of like over in the studio, I had an office in my studio, so he was kind of manning the ship with me. Yeah, and and those days were like my first days um, in LA, 
getting off. It was also rare chandeliers with action. And it was like yeah, the early projects where I was back in LA, came back from New York and was setting up shop. And that's when we came up with the name the Rap Camp. Yeah. Chuck, Chuck, Chuck um, English, I got to give him props, man. Yeah. Chuck kind of coined it. Like I used to see footage of the Beastie Boys studio mm. back when they had a studio in LA. I forget, I think Check Your Head album. And it was like so dope. It was like a compound. They had an indoor half pipe. They had a half court, a little <laughs> yeah. studio. They literally would just enjoy life. And yeah. then later on in the evening, go and start jamming. And Man, the engineer yeah. would just press record when they didn't even know. Like Mario C, the engineer, told me, like, they would just be jamming and he'll go hit record. They were recording the tape at the time. Wow. And it just made me, like, always want to create an environment. Right. Like Baseline. Yeah. Like, you remember, Baseline was like, like you say, it was like a crew. Like if oh, you would yeah. go there, there was certain characters that was always there. It mm -hmm. was always work going down. And like, you know, those were great connector places. So that's how the rap camp thing happened. It was really me trying to make an environment where it was like, you could play hooky. Like if you got a real album and you got a budget over there at the big studio, yeah. you could play hooky from that shit, come over here. Yeah, yeah, we can make yeah. some joints. No, It's nobody's real session. Right. The only problem it. started being whose song was it. Because <laughs> oh, <yeah, yeah, laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. they would come out something dope before people like, wait a minute. Yeah. Whose record is just going right. on? You know what I mean? So that was the only big problem. But. What's what's ill about that is that um you learn from a couple different organizations, right? One of those isn't even music. It's like Nicky Diamonds, what he's doing. Currency comes along. Yes. Um Hops coming like helping you steer some of this. Yes. Rock's involved in like helping you like bringing someone around. Yes. But then they make rap camp. Even as a listener, obviously we don't know all the particulars of it. But I feel like that shifted a lot of the way that like fans wanted to see their artists, right? Like we wanted to see, and this is you're in a stage where you're learning, but very much so as the audience, at least for me, it was like it, a new wave was happening, right? And so that yeah. like, it's like it's shifting the game. We're watching this shit happen. We just expect like this should be normal now. Like this is what we want, we want <laughs> people time, to do. Yeah. yeah, That's dope. And I think it was collective. It was happening there and it was happening in a lot of other places. I always said a movement happens like nobody gets up and goes, let's do this movement. Yeah, yeah, I'm yeah, inspired yeah, yeah. by you, you inspired. Mm -hmm. We all collectively are working in the same field and every time you drop something, I'm like, damn, fuck that. I gotta, and it makes me make a better project and then you do the same mm -hmm. and then it becomes a thing like that and I feel like that's what was happening at the time yeah. and, throughout LA too and that's how I ended up coming back to LA because you know how the future was happening and TDE was happening and you know Khalil's my brother he's over here and Evidence is down the block over there and Exile's over here and you know you Knowledge is over network. there and Oh Knows mm -hmm. over here Mad Lib's over there it's like LA started with mugs you know it was just like damn so many colleagues who were dope and it kind of gave me the feeling like it used to be in New York right right in those right days when we were all tied in I could name 20 producers mm -hmm. we both would just bump heads with in the studio all the time because we used to run around and have to like play beats I'm curious for you because I feel like you kind of answered it with the merch but I, I will come back to you um, what do you feel like you do better than you what do you feel like you do better now than you did even like five years ago um I think that like and because I, I got spoiled really fast, you know what I'm saying? Like, I came into a situation with Rock where it was like, these the 96 Bulls, bro. It was like anything we wanted, <laughs> we had. We had Just Blaze, we had Kanye. Nobody told us no, you know what I mean? And um, when when I had, uh, when all of that ended, it was like, damn, like this isn't going to be me. But what I learned is like, once I worked myself back into it, it was like, all right, just chill. Mm. Just chill, you know what I mean? Just, just, just chill. Like it's, it, I can do something now 
that I know is not gonna be announced till like next year this time, and I'm fine with it. You cool with it? I'm 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 cool. Like <laughs> yeah. it's like yeah. I'd be like, oh, all right, like you know what I'm saying. But but that's just it, it. It comes with the experience of you know um, it's managing time. You know what I mean? Like like that's one of the the hardest things for me is managing time. You know what I mean? Being a father, you know, husband, all that first and foremost, and then um all the other stuff and then managing the time between everything, it could get a little shaky, but you just got to chill. You know what mm. I mean? Like, you got to chill. I feel like right now, my I've, I've been getting my strength back into um, A&R because uh, I had to find things to be passionate about again. You know, um, when I was managing Dave, I, I kind of did A&R with him, you know, um, and like we was working with Mass Appeal and they, get, they permitted us to be able to, you know, kind of have a plan and come to the company with like, yo, this is what we want to do. And like a collaborative effort, like, all right, you want to do this? Well, I'm thinking about, you're right, but I'm thinking about doing it this way and, and making it work. So now like um, being at a space that like, like QC, I've been passionate about stuff again. Like I signed this kid from Detroit named Baby Money and like, man, it's like, I, I we're talking about making beats. Like, I don't know what it was, but I had this idea of like a, a record being made with a stove, right? I never heard a record sample with the stove. So I go to Helliva, um, who produces for everybody, but you know, mainly Detroit guys, and I'm like, yo, Helly, I'm like, yo, I got this idea. And he's like, what? I'm like, I feel like everything starts with the stove. And he's like, what do you mean? I said, like, if you coming from the street and you're doing street activities, right? Like, you start at the stove. You know, if you wake up in the morning, your mom is cooking as you're a kid, it starts at the stove. You know what I mean? Like yeah. a lot of things when you time to eat, morning, noon, and night, it's at the stove. So I told Hell of an idea and he put together this, you know, the, the beat and like it came out how I like it how I'm you, not a producer, you, so yeah. I didn't you know, it, I, I didn't get on the machine with him well, or, or production you know, still. But it's still production. For and, sure. Like, it gave me the con, like being able to 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 sell that vision to my artist and tell him like, yo, I got this, and he did it. You know, and it was like, now I'm like, damn, I, I could do A and R again. You feel know I me? Mean? Like it, it made me feel good. Yeah, it gave yeah. me, you know, because doing the media shit, bro, is like it's so wide range and there's so many different things and so many people who don't know that like out out could put something on his page and I could comment. And somebody had jump in my comments and say, what, what the fuck you know about Alchemist? Like, right, you know right. what I mean? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they'd be like, what do you know about? Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't have no ego, man. I don't take nothing away. I've been around this shit for a long time. Long time. I've seen a lot of people come and go, man. And yeah. I mean, like, like we were talking about, like, try to get into the game or get into the game and then, like, one tough thing happens and, like, perseverance is such a... It's a skill set that you have to learn. You know what I mean? Like, a lot of people are not built for it and I don't want to say that to, like minimize or diminish anybody but mm -hmm. like you know um i always looked at it like man what the hell else am i gonna do like you know what, I mean? like, what else what else could, could i be right now you know so i'm just really thankful but i i i feel like in the past couple of years i just been getting my a and r game strong again you know just silently working on stuff and just like letting the music speak for itself yeah mm -hmm. uh, we kind of talked about it with the merch but um it could be business-wise, music-wise, even personality-wise. Like, what do you feel like you're you're doing better than you were five or ten years ago that you can, like, acknowledge, you know? I pull the trigger quicker. Mm. You know what I mean? I was an overthinker. Yeah. I think I was, like, one of those guys who would get in my own way a lot, you know, because yeah, I'm, I'm like... I'm just now getting out of that. Yeah, it, it took time, <laughs> yeah. man. I think it was an engineer, a mastering engineer, Chris Geringer, who I did one session with once. When on my second album, I think he mixed a... Lose Your Life joint mastered it with uh, with uh, Pusha and Snoop and Jada and, uh, and yes. he did it in five seconds and I went to the session like that said he goes man you gotta learn how to pull the trigger he said I know what I'm going for and it, it always stuck with me but I didn't 
get to doing that until a lot later, but I think that's one of the things that made my life a lot smoother because yeah. I think we're all perfectionists, yeah. and that's a suffering life, man. <laughs> a perfectionist is going to suffer because you'll never be fully... I got to... You, I hate when you know some. You tell somebody, man, I love that record. He's like, man, I could have made the snare better. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I, I could have fixed I that snare a little shit low. Like that yeah, and I, I, I was that guy, yeah. you know. And that's why I feel like I'm learning how, when it's time, it's time to go. Mm-hmm. A lot of us have this freedom to just, we don't have to do nothing. We are our own boss. And I think being your own boss is like a privilege that's not for everybody, because not like me. yo, some people who do it, who get that privilege, they abuse it. Because right. no one's going to fire you. So you could just kick back and do nothing today. You or You fire could, yourself, really. Yeah, you yeah, fire yeah, yourself. Yeah, yeah. You will by default. Mm-hmm. And you won't realize it, though, because no one's going to come in and say you're fired. So you think you still got the job, but you're failing. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Right. And it's like, really, like the amount of hours we put in when we have our own jobs mm-hmm. is immeasurable. No one could pay us to do it. Yeah. Like, I sit sometimes 18 <laughs> hours making beats. I'm like thinking to myself, could anyone even pay me to do this job? Never. It has to be me pushing myself because I don't want to abuse the the luxury of being my own bosses. Yeah. I don't want someone to have to right. say, this is what, I'm stubborn. You know what I mean? And I think we all have our versions of that and that's what gets us to where we are. Of course, I collaborate and do things in systems where mm-hmm. it's like that. But for the most part, I try to like, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I feel like pulling the trigger helped me get there now as that was a problem I had overthinking shit. You know what's funny about the perfectionist shit too is it's like you do that so early in the beginning. It definitely it has its benefits, but you're never really happy with it, whether it's like whatever the work is. And then you get older and you make the decisions quicker. Yeah. Damn yeah. then forget about it. And then surprise yourself in a year, like, oh yeah, I made that decision quick. I liked it. I moved on for it. I wasn't so hyper about it. I just calmed down a little bit. Yeah. And it's yeah. like, yeah, you it'd be feeling like almost like you can be the fan. Yeah. It feels better. Yeah, you, yeah. You get caught up in a moment. You have the ability to to really plan, plot, and strategize more than you've ever had in your life. Mm. And so many of the young artists are so caught up on their peers as to like, they just drop, they just drop, they mm-hmm. just drop, they just drop. We're at a point now where we have so much time to really like think about how we want to do it and not rush it. And a like, ton of freedom about how you do it, right? A ton like, of freedom, right? Yeah. Like Alex said, like, man, I mean, don't get me wrong, like, what permits freedom is having some money in your damn big account. And that's the problem sometimes. <laughs> that's the problem. Too much money. Too much, too much money. You'd be like, shit, I'm not going to do anything. You know what I mean? But when you, when you are able to, you know, stack up a bit, you can take more risk. I don't know about you guys. Like, I go on YouTube and I, I listen to music. It's I check crazy. my... And if mm-hmm. I meet a new artist, someone said, yo, I want you to check my man. I'm like... Send me his you. I'm let me see his latest video. Right, and that's the, what I'm gonna take the most serious. This right. times the video yeah. far outpaces the music, oh, and I'm like, damn. I was right? Like, oh, did you, you did um, the symbol right? Yeah, that video. The action of, that, that, that set off Fuck That's Delicious because he had, he said that line in one of the breaks. Mm. He tasted the coke and was like, that's yeah. fucking delicious. Fuck, that's delicious, yes. And, that's, and that yes. created his whole the whole brand. That's a brand. Yeah, and it was like random. That video. Know? But videos, mm-hmm. it matters. You know what I'm saying? Right. Yeah, like the whole connection of it so mm-hmm. you both just mentioned younger artists in both um your answers i'm thinking about younger artists and also younger audiences how how much do you feel how much do you pay attention to them and how much do you feel like they matter in your decision making of like your creative work man i mean one of the one of the greatest things i, I have is like three 
personal A&Rs, which are my kids. Okay. Right? Yeah, yeah. So it's like, um, I, I really get a chance to like gauge what they're into. I even, I once signed the artist because of my son. You know what I mean? Like he told me about this kid. And I'm like, oh, worried. Listen to it. And I didn't necessarily get the music at first, but I seen the engagement and I was like, I could make it better. Mm -hmm. Um, I, I have this battle sometimes. I don't, I don't know if you deal with it too, but like, like, um, when it comes to making music, right? I, now that I'm a little bit older, I have like this space, and I, this is a conversation I had with No ID about like making things. Like when you put stuff out, how it affects the youth, right? So it's like when we when we were younger, man, we had songs about all types of crazy shit, right? But it's yeah. like now that we're old, it's like, damn, am I contributing to some of the problems that happened? <laughs> you know what oh, I mean? Okay. So I, I I look at I look at a lot of different perspectives, but um. I really try to make sure that, like, man, Whitney Houston said, I believe the children are the future. Teach them well and let them lead the way. So as if we're doing it in music, if I'm doing it in media, you know what I mean? I just try to make sure that um, my presence is felt to them, um, make sure that they understand me, that they understand us, or, you know, that they that they feel heard. Because when we're, we're all kids, when we were kids and we all come from different backgrounds and different places, man, we've all felt silent. No one wants to be dismissed. No, yeah, yeah, yeah. No. I mean, we've all felt silent. So it's like I, I try to... Make sure that I, I I I always keep an eye on it because it's like man I'm not never going to stop wearing Jordan I like I'm never never going to stop doing what y'all doing like yeah. I'm old because I, I I still feel like me like that that's just the, the things that make me the happiest are the things I discovered when I was a child yeah you know what I mean so I I I make sure I still go buy me some collectible toys every now right. and then Yo, I pull up to too. a Comic Con you know yeah, what I'm, I'm, I was just watching She Hulk yesterday you feel me so <laughs> like I, I make sure that I stay youthful that's the thing I learned from Jay Z though. Because when I was working at Rockefeller, man, like a lot of people, and I talked about this on another podcast about like the whole young Chris thing and everybody saying he stole this and stole that. I think it wasn't just Jay like taking a, taking stuff, but he was youthful because he kept young Chris around him. You know what I mean? So it was like, yo, he will always keep the youngest art. And now you see Drake do it. Yeah. I mean, Drake, yeah, like yeah. he always keeps the youngest guys around him or like... I'm going to do a song with this person. I'm going to pull up to this person's show because, like, that's keeping him in tune, you know? So I think that that's really important in our careers. Hmm. Uh, what about for you? Yeah, I mean, I owe a lot to my to my young friends. You know, I have a lot that, that, I, that are around the studio all the time. Like, mm -hmm. just thinking back over the last 10 years, like Earl, for example, Earl, who I yeah. met when he was, you know, maybe 18 or something, you know? And it's funny because now he got little homies, yeah. you know, and I, and I learned from them. But it's like keeping those guys around helped me understand a lot of things that I may not have understood um, through their scope. But at the same time, never forcing myself to like something I don't like. Because mm. yeah, I don't ever want to be that guy. Right. You know, you see a guy who's older and you're like, damn, he's wearing all this shit. <laughs> and he's like, it's like, wait a minute. He's trying to fit or he's liking a song that it's like he could tell he really doesn't love it. Like, there's some shit's not going to hit with me. Yeah, but right. a lot of stuff, I got to give credit to Earl and some of the younger homies that I, I was able to understand. And, you know, and like, even there was a time when I remember recording Earl one time at the lab and he was rhyming a certain way on the beat. And I was tempted to tell him like I would normally do, yo, try to sit back on it and, you know, put him in a, in a spot on the beat. That's more what I'm accustomed to, like mm -hmm. Prodigy or something, like a little behind the beat. Yeah, just yeah. to be technical or whatever. Mm -hmm. And he was doing a new style and I was about to say it. And then I didn't. I said, let me sit back and get out of the way. Mm -hmm. Maybe I got to understand this. And that became one of my favorite songs later. It was a, it was just a different place to sit on the beat. Is, you know, he, that's, it was just one of his visions. I didn't see it yet, you know what I mean? But at the same time, like when I create, 
I don't think about none of that shit. Mm. I'm very stubborn. So it's like, I don't want to cater. But what I do have is like faith in the music that we make that is not to say, oh, yo, this is timeless and, you know, the last two generations. But I do feel like what we're doing with all these records is like putting out breadcrumbs because, of course, this has to lead to inspire a new generation of young kids. It was a period of time when all when I would do DJ sets, it was just like 30 plus and older guys at the shows. And I started feeling like, damn, this is going to fizzle. <laughs> yeah, longevity older, talk. Like, right? do we and, just... But after the pandemic, I went back to Europe and did my first shows and went to London, a jazz cafe. And I didn't know what to expect because now I got all this Freddie Gibbs shit. I got the Boldy music. I got all these Earl Griselda. Oh, mm-hmm. And I never used to play them in my sets. I would just do the, the mob era, all mm-hmm. the other stuff I was known for. And I saw in the crowd, I'm like, okay, there's a bunch of old, but who's all these? There's a bunch of young kids in the crowd. Mm. 20s, you know what I mean? And it's a new generation of kids who maybe got hip to me from Mac Miller or mm. Earl or, mm. you know, Kendrick or Schoolboy, whoever it was like. All, working with all those guys at the time that I did gave me another pass because they were young. Do you guys think there's been any, is there a moment outside of you all that you feel like it's like uh, changed people's ideas about longevity or helped you guys attain longevity? So for that, I mean, like, it could be having a direct connection with the audience, right? Like social media. Or it could be the fact that, like, Drake... Uh, Jay drops 444 and all of a sudden everyone is rethinking what it means to be like an art, a rap artist in this this period of time. Mm-hmm. And I feel like in the last couple of years we've had a lot more people rethink longevity, mm-hmm. rethink what it means. Um, you know, it used to be the argument all the time. I mean, it still is where people are like, yo, rock celebrates their legends and rap d- tries to discard their legends, right? I feel like people are rethinking that to the point where some artists are even starting their careers yeah. much later age-wise. So has there been like events that you guys look to or maybe you noticed um, that you feel like has altered the way people see longevity in music? I think in, in, in rap music and one of the biggest things I've seen that, that did it for me, that showed longevity, the verses last year between Dipset and the Locks. This what I do, nigga. New York makes a motherfucking noise. Oh! Yeah, all praises, all burners, all raises. Because, bro, and I, I've gone around, I have the Harlem tattooed on my hand. I love the Harlem to death. But <laughs> when people was talking, Locks is my high school. Like, that's all me in high school. It's tough for me because Locks shaped my my like younger years and then mm-hmm. Dipset dropped and bro, that was like, I had the uniform, you know. The like uniform. It, it took over. Yeah. I always equate like the Dipset. Now, Dipset, tons of great music, but mm-hmm. they're like, AI, AI that year he got to the championship. And, and when you bring up AI in a basketball co- um, conversation, people always say, well, he's the first person to wear a sleeve. You know what I mean? He was the per- first person to do this. Or first- but it's not like when you bring up like the accolades and shit. And not to say that they don't have accolades. It's just that I know the what you locks, mean. bro. Like right. when I think of the locks, that made me so happy. Like that made me so, because that was the first group I seen like every moment of their career. And I was like, wow, people... We really showed out for them. Like, New York yeah. showed out for them. And they showed out. They showed out. But I feel like, you know, 3-6 deserves that. Cypress. Like, you know, you speaking about Cypress. Yeah. Now, I won't sit here and ever tell you that I listened to a Cypress Hill album. But when I was a kid, they had hit records. That shit means something to me. So yeah. it's like, I'm not... I think that we just have to do a little bit more of telling a person. You know what I mean? Just letting them know. Look at Nip, bro. He didn't have a quarter of the love that he had when he passed. Right after... A quarter, bro. I'm yeah. a quarter, and it, I met Nip Shipes yeah. through Johnny Shipes. You know what I'm saying? Oh, eight, him being in New York. Yo, this is crazy. Like, I, 
he didn't have a if he had that quarter of that love. I'm not. I can't say what would be different or not, and mm-hmm. when it comes to fate, but I just feel like, man, we got to start letting our legend look at DMX. We got to start letting people know that, like, yeah, you might not could jump around and run as fast on the stage as you used to no more. We still love you though. Yeah, I mean, we still love you. We love you, and and, that, and that's to me, that's like longevity. That's everything with longevity. Love. That's how I define it. Show that love. Mm-hmm. Man. Do you feel like there's been a uh, a moment, a series of moments? Um, that has affected the way longevity is perceived? I don't know if there's like a particular moment. I mean, Jay-Z, mm-hmm. that's the moment. You know what yeah. I'm saying? That's the, you know what I'm saying? The inexplainable thing is just like, he, he took it to a level that I don't think has ever been taken. You know, I think he just, I think he, especially with the, the last couple of years where he's taken it to still be at this point at the level he is, I think it sets a different, a good uh, example of how you can do it gracefully. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. And uh, but I think it's also the older artists getting the respect they deserve from the newer generations. Mm-hmm. I think it's so, some somewhat of a two way street too, because yeah. I feel like if I was a kid, I wanted to know about everything my favorite rappers were talking about. So if mm-hmm. if if Beastie Boys said like Von Bodie, I'm the Cheech Wizard. I'm like, who's Von Bodie? What's the Cheech Wizard? Yeah. Oh, this is a book. This is graffiti. Uh-huh. Oh, look, that's the character they're doing on the subways. Mm-hmm. All right, history. Like I, I'm enamored by that. I yeah. love. I always was a type. As the older generations, I feel like maybe we have that attitude that is like, no, I don't. And as a, for a kid, they'll be like, well, fuck it then. You know what I mean? It, it is yeah, somewhat yeah. of a two way street. Uh, and I do think we got to do our job to one, it is our responsibility first to put them on yeah. and then to also kind of embrace them and be a little patient with it and understand that these kids are young. They don't want to be spoken to. Yeah. Also, and I think at the same time, putting people on mm-hmm. to the certain things and showing them, yo, this happened first. You see this style you rapping right here? They did three six did that fifteen yeah, years, yeah. twenty years ago. Just just check it out. Y'all are saying ill shit because I feel really fortunate. Like I got a lot of love from the OGs, and and I think about it now when I play it back. Is that in my head I, I'm trying to make this move, do this, do this, do this, and so I'm thinking it's not that it's supposed to happen. I'm wildly appreciative, but if I really play it backwards. Um, they really didn't, they didn't have to do that. It's not like me and my journey, like, oh, I'm glad this person said this. Man, I really appreciate this. They could have easily just looked past, right? Or not even seen me. Right. Um, and I think, like, how how ill that is. And now I'm at a spot now, too, where, uh, like, you get the kid who says he grew up off, and you're like, oh, damn, yeah. are you for real? And, like, he's not lying. And I'm like, yeah. shit, all right. <laughs> but the other side is, like, you try to show a lot of love along the way, and I guess that is part of the longevity thing, right? Like, it's not so much what they're given me it's like someone did that for me so now I gotta do the same thing yeah I mean we we always gotta pay it for it man I think like you know especially like with me being exec like I, I got interns now like now I got interns mm-hmm. and it's like I um I pull them to the side I, I talk to them like you know what I mean I'm I'm honest with them I tell them like you know things that they that they may need because like every time I'm in a scenario like that or even when I see a young person try I know what it is to try to strive for something yeah. Like I know what it is to like feel like, yo, I wanna I wanna be something or I wanna do something. Or I wanna just figure out whatever this is. And I've had like I, I have I have had people help me along the way, right? Mm-hmm. And I feel like it's very important that for the positions we in, 
we always make sure that we, we, we do that because if we don't, then what are we saying about the thing we love the most? For both of you, how do you guys define success now, right? Like, I imagine it's been interesting, Brad. There's things you want really early on. Um, maybe you get those things. Maybe they change. Some of you guys are hitting new benchmarks, new heights. I mean, right, in the levels you're in now. It's like just pulling things off and, 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 and putting it back into the circle. Kind of like even what we were just speaking on. It's like, that's one of my biggest fears is like, I've met people I looked up to, I idolized that were dicks. Yo. And, and I, yo, I, I know, and vice versa, there's people who I really looked up to who did so much for me and was so cool that they don't even know how much the effect I've told them, but it's like, yeah. it was profound. Mm-hmm. And I like, for me, like he was saying, pulling off an idea and seeing it, mm-hmm. that's success now. That, that, that's my, you know, because I'm, you know, I got kids now, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, our goals become a little different in our, our days become a little different in what we want. Like, as I get older, I just want peace. <laughs> you know what I mean? I, that's literally the on the hot top of my list of what I need out of life. You know, because we live, we work in a bipolar industry. Oh, man. And we deal with a lot of crazies, <laughs> and we might even be that crazy guy right. sometimes. So I always, you know, I'm starting to value, I'm understanding my father now and how he was and how the older people in our family used to just be, you know, in the dinners, yeah. they would just be chilling and having a beer kicking. It's like, I'm understanding that now because, like, pulling off, do, being able to still do what I'm doing, you know, I feel like we're in that, like, winter circle. Like, after the horse wins the race and you do yeah, That's where yeah, we're at yeah, now. Yeah, we're, yeah. we're just doing the victory lap. Yeah. That's how it feels with this album with Rock. And it's like, you know, God bless the dead. If Prodigy was here, we'd be doing the same thing. It'd be yeah. like, we'd be in that phase of our career. That's why it killed me for many reasons. But he, we were just getting to that point where he was going to come to L.A., and we were going to start Just being that victory and, and feeling, seeing where I'm at now and where yeah. the game went. P, same thing with Sean Price. He yeah. was really ahead with this. They don't give him credit for the whole world of like Griselda. Yeah, Freddie. oh Sean man. Price was really him yeah. and Rock. It yeah, was like Rock around the turn head. of 2010. Mm-hmm. I'm mm. just happy to be able to do all that shit now and still be efficient with it, you know? I'm curious for you with, with success. success. I mean, what I feel most successful now is like last week, bro, my daughter had her first jujitsu tournament. And she got, and she won. And she she went up against a boy and she won. And I was like ecstatic. It's like those look, the smallest things. Because people, there's so many people that might look at me, you, Alk, or you, Jinx, and be like, I want that. Like, I want that life. And I, and we we all got our own internal battles that we fight, you know, day to day in, in our lives. But like the things that make me the most happiest, like music is a part of my life and it's a part of my brand and all this other things, but the things that make me the happiest, the most the most successful I feel is when like, I could, I just have some time for things outside of it. Because mm. I ain't got time, bro. Like, right. I don't, I be, <laughs> like I would say, he be doing, he be doing um, beats for 18 hours, bro. It's, yeah. it's, it's certain days where I don't got to go in the office or the studio, but the next two, I be in that bitch till five, six in the morning. Yeah. And I was in the I was in the office from 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 ten to to six. So, you know, peace of mind is the the greatest success I could I could think of. You know, peace of mind, man. Like being able to just like whew, just chill. Like you know what I mean. Like everything's not so frantic. Yeah. Right. You know, you brought up Griselda and also Sean Price, and I felt like I knew that connection. But hearing you say it seems so much more crystal clear. What does it say about Griselda and where hip hop's at right now? That artists like Griselda. And Freddie are having some of the best moments in their career right now. And I think about artists who were in the older industry or older label system where people were kind of getting, you know, put to pasture. 
late twenties, early thirties, and you're watching guys now like have a fan base and like a fan base of all ages making some of the best music of the year. I mean, I think Sean cracked the code unknowingly. He didn't even know what he was cracking. Because, you know, he was always so dope. I mean, Helter Skelter was dope, but when he was, went on his own, he was really that character. He was hilarious. Mm -hmm. And I think he just started saying, fuck it, I'm going to do what was true to me and just funny and raw. And he kind of started building a lane, which then other things. And you also got to give credit to Doom. Yeah. You know, like rest yeah. in peace, MF Doom, and him just staying off of the grid and not trying to compete with what's going on and kind of like building your own lane and becoming this legendary thing, you know, that is like... Whatever's going on with the rap, it don't matter. This is the shit that people mess with it. They mess with it. And uh, those early things would then give hope to people like a Griselda because when I first met Wes, he had the whole entire plan that is seeing now. Similar to like 50. When I would talk to Yayo, he should be like, man, I try, I'll do anything 50 says because he lived, we were literally on the block, block broke. And he said, this is what's going to happen. And, mm -hmm. and everything he said was going to happen, happened. happened. He said, I, so for life, I'll, I'll trust him, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think Wes, in a similar way, when early on had the vision for everything that's happening now, you know, but it took those days and steps of patience to come to those crossroads and figure out how to monetize the shit and get through the doors they weren't getting through, you know, and then build a lane. I think it's important because it's not a throwback sound. And sometimes people say, oh, that's like that old school stuff, but it it's like... you feel it, it's, it's rooted yeah. in it and yeah. it has a similar feel, but there's so many nuances everything to music. Mm -hmm. Like even in the trap stuff or mm -hmm. the drill, there's certain nuances to it that mm -hmm. I may not know the difference of because I'm not all the way in it. Mm -hmm. And a kid who's in it would be like, bro, you can't tell the difference between this and that. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's the little, yeah. oh, yeah. okay, school me. Because, right. you know, it, it's also the nuances in this stuff which separate the artists right. that are doing what they're doing from the old stuff you mm -hmm. know it's like the couple of elements that Wes, Conway and Benny brought to the table and Derringer of course right. can't forget yeah. if it was slowing the beats down doing the ad libs with the dude, dude bringing in the yeah. wrestling it's like a cocktail of elements that make it a new thing I think it's important because it adds a little balance right. as well yeah. in the rap game so where there's a kid they could like a couple of different things it doesn't all have to be because rap, if you leave rap alone, it's starting to eat itself. Mm -hmm. You know what I'm saying? Like, rap beats are starting to, like, damn, the samples are being used that was from two years ago. Yo, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. It's, it's like a snake eating his tail. Like, yeah, eventually, yeah. what are we going to, it's it's going to. The loop's getting smaller and smaller, smaller. It's eating itself. And I was like, I started thinking about that. Like, damn. But there's so much out there. You yeah. know what I'm saying? Like, yeah. I keep going to countries, finding new genres and styles of music. And I'm like. But when you pull them in the loop, then it's another loop, and it's another, yeah. Yes, yeah. you just got to keep adding on, and, you know, that's why I think I'm thankful to have this time now and be one of the people who's contributing. And I, I give Mad Lib a thousand, you know, props, you know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And people like Mad Lib who, are, who have kept this sound mm -hmm. popping. We were the, the ones in the tunnel with the, with the light on, you know, yeah. like Lewis <laughs> and Clark, like, going through, <laughs> trying to find new, like, in the times yeah. when it was like, I don't know, let's keep digging. Mm -hmm. You yeah. know what I'm saying? And, and, and that inspired me. You know, like, and you could ask Hop, you know, mm. like, I didn't max out in that style, but I started feeling like, am I getting trapped in, oh, a, in okay. a technique? Yeah. And when I started listening to Mad Lib shit, it was like, this dude is free, man. Like, his beat tapes were so vast. It was every style on yeah. the planet. And it made me feel like, man, am I, are my wings open? Or maybe <laughs> I need to mm. loosen my wings up and, yeah. and, and just kind of have more fun with it and not be so 
Cause you could create a style and get stuck in it, yeah. You know, and be and you now you're like a slave to your technique. Starts and it's giving like, you success, you start, ch- yeah, yeah. And, and even with t- success, like you know, you you got to know when to turn the corner, you know. Mm-hmm. So it was like, I feel like I played a part in helping them get to shady, mm-hmm. whether I, I wasn't the deal or what had nothing to do with it. Mm-hmm. But but I feel like us cooking and doing what we yeah. did was a step to get there, kind of like a co-signature. Right. Like, I mess with this. This is dope. And, and you know, even now, fast forward to where Rock Marcy is when he put out Stove God Cooks. And it was like, when he played it for me, I was it was a new rapper. And I was like, yo, not only are these beats dope, but he's so fresh and you're presenting him. Yeah. And that says a lot for you right. as one of the great yeah. artists that you are to present a dope new artist. You know mm. what I mean? It's not saying that we're trying to be in those positions, but I do feel that's part of the part thing. Of and, then, and like you do so much. You can't really just put a label on what he does. Yeah. And it's like <laughs> that, that you, you use all those skills right. in whatever thing you're doing. You know what right. I'm saying? Right. It all comes equipped. So, you know, that, that, that's a, a part of it too. One of the things you guys are talking about is... Um, it's definitely being present, right? Like whether it's like being in that room and just like rocking out a little bit longer, showing up, that feels like that's a start, right? And it works to start your career and to be around later. I think another one would have to be um, patience, right? Like call it patience, diligence, stay in the course, whatever it is. Mm-hmm. Whether you like, yo, everyone's over here doing this, but this is me, so I'm gonna do this because this is what I like um, or just calm it down, right? Yeah. Um, those are two of them. I'm trying to think. I mean, even what you just said, like, also, I think when you get to a certain spot, like, paying it backward or paying it forward, mm-hmm. right? Sure. Knowing that's, like, there's something else going up, not hating, not getting funny style and not trying to dismiss other people. Like, well, this is my style and I don't know how you're going to do your shit, you know? And, and I think another one would be taking the time and actually actually making yourself present to like that shit, right? To be available. Right. Or even if you don't like it, still inherit it, ingest it, right? Are there... Th- there's a mad shit in this conversation, but is there something else that sticks out to you as like one of the keys to longevity? I, I, I say courage. Mm. I say courage. Um, that's one of the main things I learned like growing up. Like it's just, just being courageous about what it is that you want to do. Understanding that it's okay to fall, right? It's okay to fall. It's okay to mess up. It's okay to um, not get it right, right? Yeah. But um, it's also okay to go get the information. And right now we have more access to information than we've ever had. So um, I say courage, man. Like courage is a very, very, very like integral part of of um, having a long career, having longevity, um, just seeing a little bit more for yourself. Mm. You know, like you, you definitely got to have a, a, enough courage to say why everybody think, because that's one thing I did go through that I didn't mention. Oh, there's a lot of people that didn't think that like, Music, like, what the fuck you gonna do with music? Like, oh, yeah, yeah, like, I got those. You know what I mean? Like, you gonna do music? Like, you, how you gonna, first of all, how you gonna get in? Then, when I, even when I got in, thought I was lying. Like, I said, there's no Instagram. <laughs> Yo. you know, my Instagram would have had two million followers back then. But, like, <laughs> just being able to say, you know what? It's okay that y'all don't believe that. I'm gonna try. Yeah. I'm, I'm, cause what, that's how I think, what the fuck else I'm gonna do, man? Like, like, this is what I feel. This is what I love. This is what wakes me up. You know, and, and, and like we were saying about uh, before about success, it's like what gets me up is like something new. A new artist I might sign and I'm like excited, like, wow. It's like like watching them go through their growing pains of like yeah. thinking they like now that you got signed, you think you know everything. And it's like, oh, no, <laughs> you in, you in for a ride, buddy. You yeah. feel me? But like th- that excitement, but that courage to be able to, to get up and just do it. I say courage. Stay low, keep firing, man. 
That's yeah. always been my thing. That's like, like, don't look at the scoreboard. Mm. You know, it's the same way with money. Like, I used to get checks, put them away. I, I, I didn't used to bust down checks. Mm. I used to go make cash deals. And my pops taught me that. Like, yo, go get money, do cash hustles, sell a beat for some, you know, a guy, you know. Mm. So get me, I would do that, and I would never bust my checks open. I mean, they was like, save them. Mm. And it was like, I wouldn't even look. But it was like, I think I use that same method when I do music. So I don't, like, it sounds crazy, but I heard The Realist, the Cool G rap joint with Mob Deep. I mm-hmm. probably heard it for the first time a couple years ago. Like, what? heard it because I was in oh, my crib cleaning and it came yeah. on on random. Oh, that's some yeah, other yeah, shit. Yeah, yeah, I know right. you talking And about. I got to listen to it the way everyone else did. But I was always kind of defensive with that one because it was just a loop. So I didn't never really appreciate it. But now I heard it was mm-hmm. like, damn, this shit is dope. <laughs> that's my favorite wow, this shit. Is, this yeah, is really yeah. do- I hear it now, but mm-hmm. I never did. And it was like, it's a good thing I didn't. Because I wasn't looking at the scoreboard. I wasn't paying attention to any of that shit. I was like, on to the next. Let, let's hit the next. Like, you know, once the album hits the people's ears, mm-hmm. man, we've played it so many times. We <laughs> rinsed it. It's a rap. Like, I rarely so listen it. to anything <laughs> once the world gets it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, just go keep mashing. And when you pull your head up from the water, you're going to be like, I built some shit. You know what yeah. I mean? And so I feel like um, that's a good method to, to, to last long. Guys, that's it. Uh, yeah, like that's it, yo. I mean, yo, conversations like this are always my favorite because um, you're asking, like, I'm like the proxy for the audience, but really it's just I get to ear hustle. I get to go steal game. You know what I mean? Like, I have to make sure I'm not crazy. Um, thank you for this, yo. Uh, thank, oh, thank you, you too, yeah. man. Bro, you know, I'm a fan, fan of what you do too. You know, it's been cool to see you come up, do your shit. So like, thank you, know, you, man. you deserve everything you're getting. Yeah, so thank fact, you. Bro. Thank yeah. you both. You definitely uh, are an example. Like I said, even for myself, who might have started in the media a little bit later. Like I, before I knew you, I was watching your your content, and like even after getting a chance to build a relationship with you, watch you, I'm like, oh, all right, like you know what you I mean. You definitely be, be keeping like I, I got to step it up. Like damn, know? damn, that's <laughs> fact. That's dope. Now I appreciate you both, man. Likewise, man. You guys, that's it for the conversation today. Make sure you guys follow. Make sure you guys rate us on the app and tune in next week for more.